This morning, I'm not going to so much preach as I am going to share with you today. And you might want to know what the difference is. Hopefully, they're both equally inspiring. Um, but those of you that are familiar with ourselves, with our church in Halifax, know that Jan and I have been on a very painful journey for the past uh, six months. It's actually coming on on seven months in just a week or two that our firstborn son died by suicide. And while that event has, without a doubt, been the most painful and horrific loss that we've ever encountered so far in our lives, I'm here to, this morning, share with you some of the things that I am learning on that journey. Um, it's It's been a painful journey, but in that, the Lord is showing us a lot of new things. Really, I guess I shouldn't even say so much new things because a lot of it, how many of you know that there are things in our lives that we know up here, but then there are circumstances that drop it the 18 inches to here, and while we don't like those circumstances, once it drops from here, just being head knowledge and comes into the realm of the heart, then we really start walking in it. Does anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? And so I'm, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that. And I've chosen today not to recount the particular details of Garrett's story because I feel like my assignment this morning is unique, it's particular, um, and the details won't add to what I believe the Lord wants for you to receive this morning. Let, let me just say this. May it suffice to say, number one, that our son was a courageous warrior. Um, he loved God so hard, and he fought battles with his mind very bravely and as hard as he could. And he struggled hard to rise above the pit of depression and the horrors of anxiety that would lead him into the grip of an addiction to drugs. And ultimately, the way we look at it is it was a spiritual fight that took out a warrior. Um, but we honor him. We honor his memory. And because if you knew him at all, in his brighter moments, and I know he was here in some very bright moments, with jo Joanna was always getting him and other friends to come up here, uh, there were very few, there was quite a few of them. He was an amazing individual. And even though his story didn't end the way we had hoped. How many of you have hopes that things will end a certain way? This is what we know. God is faithful. Amen? And God is true to his word. God's love is unchangeable. And, and that's what I'm going to talk to you about. And let me also say this. Many may be in this room this morning listening to this message. Or, I don't know if you record this message, so if it's out in recording and someone is listening to it later, and at any level, and when I say any level, I mean just popping into your mind or really struggling. You've had thoughts about suicide or depression or anxiety. Can I just say right now, do not keep that to yourself. Reach out to someone. Um, reach out to someone safe. Reach out to the pastors here. Reach out to a friend, but talk about it and let somebody walk with you. How many of you know we are better together? And it's, it's a, a sad thing that the enemy puts in the lives of people that are in the church that there's things you have to keep to yourself because if you shared your truth, you might be judged. I just want to tell you 
walk in the light. The Bible says that if we will come out into the light as he is in the light, if we'll walk in the light, if we'll open ourselves up to each other is what it's saying, then we have that term is called fellowship. But really what it means is it's, it's deeper than just knowing someone as a friend. It's actually connection. How many of you have friends, but then there's those friends that you connect with? Um, when you get together with them, you don't even have to talk a lot of the time because there's just a deep connection, and that's what God has for his church. And that starts when we, when we walk together in the light. So as a preamble this morning, I want to acknowledge those in this room. I'm not going to call you to identify yourselves, but I would like to acknowledge those people in this room that might be facing a loss of your own today. You may be in the throes of grieving now for whatever. Loss isn't always, and grief isn't always about death. Loss is on so many levels. It can be the loss of a promotion or a disappointment or something that you thought would be a certain way. So it's not just about death, although death is very much loss. But I just want to pray whether that loss is fresh or you've been going through it for some time, my prayer this morning is that this message, what I'm going to share with you this morning, would be comfort and would help you take another step forward in your journey. How many of you know that we're all on a journey? You know, it's not about being somebody. It's about constantly moving forward, not stopping, but continuing to move forward. You might not know all the answers in life, but if you just take one more step towards truth, your journey continues. Amen? And so just before um, we start, I just want to pray for us. Father, I just want to thank you for who you are. You're our Father. I know for many people in this room, they understand the reality of that. Others, you may be kind of a religious figure or someone that we call Father, but Lord, I thank you that you're a real person, and even though we may not see you in the flesh, you make your presence very known in our lives through the good and the bad, through the beautiful and the ugly. And so, Lord, today I would just pray that each of these people that are here in this service this morning would receive through my words, a touch of your presence, your love on their lives. I pray that you would draw people to yourselves today. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said together, amen? Amen. So, awesome. Now, Pastor Bruce, how long do I have to speak? 30 minutes or so, roughly? When service usually over? 11.30? One. Did somebody say one? I don't have that much content. I could do a jig halfway through. You wouldn't want to see that. No, I'm kidding. Okay, so we're just going to go for it. I, I don't want to preach a message to you. I want to connect with you through the Holy Spirit today. I don't know many of you, but I believe that God knows you. He knows where you are today. He knows what you're going through. He knows if you're struggling. He knows if you are falling down more on your journey than getting up, and he doesn't judge you. He just wants you to get back up. A lot of people that end up taking their lives, it's because in their falling down, they stopped reaching out for help. They stopped getting up. They stopped pressing forward. So today I want to connect with you and tell you wherever you are on your journey, you might be way in the front of all of us, like halfway to glory already. You can see it. 
and then there's a few of us that are halfway in the middle, and then there may be some bringing up the rear. But wherever you are, I want to remind you today, we're all together in this thing, and we're all making our journey through life. Amen? So today we are approaching seven months ago that we lost our son, and I'll just be super honest with you, I'm going through grief. Even being here today was a step of faith, and I don't say that for you to feel sorry for me, but what happened in my life is that in the very beginning days that we lost our son, my wife grieved to a depth that I've never, ever seen or experienced in my life, and to be honest with you, it scared me, and I thought that I was, I thought I would lose her. And then our sons had two, we have three other sons that had three very different approaches. We had one who was with our son and dropped him off just moments before things happened. Then we had another one that we really didn't tell him of our journey that was four years. And when he realizes he's coming to his brother's funeral, he's a little angry, wondering, why didn't I know that this was worse? Well, that's parents trying to, you know what I mean, take their children, even if they're adults, through a journey. And then we have another one who has not yet made a commitment to the Lord that just really was angry. So as a father, I was trying my best to walk my wife and three grown boys through a tragedy uh, that was a proportion we've never been through before. And it's amazing, men, how we can compartmentalize. Do you know what I mean? When we need to do what we need to do to lead, we can do it. But what I want to say to all the men here is that sometime sooner or later, we have to face the grief that comes into our lives. You understand? It's not that men are made of steel and they don't feel things. It's just that the way we're made, it may come later. And so when I went back to the church and then started helping the church through, all of a sudden I felt like a rogue wave out of nowhere just bowled me over. Now here's what I know. In that time, I didn't feel particularly close to the Lord. I didn't feel like the love and and care in those moments. I felt numb. I felt like nothing, but I knew one thing, and that is this, that God's love never fails. I knew that God is close. And so in these times, pardon the non-scriptural reference, but one of my favorite cartoons, you see, I didn't grow up with television, so I had a lot of catching up to do when I got married to Yana and we had boys. But one of my favorite cartoons is the story of Finding Nemo. And there's a little blue fish in there. Her name is Dory. Do you know which one I'm talking about? In the story, she has short-term memory. What were we talking about? What was her name? Who? No, just kidding with you. And uh, she has short-term memory, but there's this one part. She's an adorable little fish, and she goes up to Nemo's father, who is just buried in grief because he can't find his son. And she's like, no, 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 no. You know what I do when things are rough? And she starts to sing this annoying little song. It's actually not annoying because it gets right in your head. She goes, I just keep swimming, just keep swimming. You know which song I'm talking about? Just keep swimming, just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. You know what I'm talking about. Sometimes when you're in the middle of the hardest thing in your life, the only thing that you can do is just keep swimming. So I say to you this morning out of fact that I'm in grief, but I'm not drowning in it. I'm not sinking in it. I'm swimming through it. 
and I'm swimming through it with the help of the Lord. Amen? And I want to encourage you to be able to do that too. And that's what I, I really want to encourage you. I want to challenge you there today. I want to provoke you. I say provoke in a very positive way. So I know that, um, I'm not sure what your tradition is here, but at Rock, we stand together to honor the reading of the scripture. So could we just take a moment and stand together and read the scripture? I'm going to be reading it out of the New English translation. So it's going to come up on the screen. Am I in the way of, no, I'm here. So let's just read this together. It says this. Now we have, now you guys know what read together means, right? That means you're going to read it out loud with me, not like now we have. So here we go. One, two, three. Now we have this treasure in clay jars so that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. The next verse says, We always carry the death of Jesus in our body so that the life of Jesus may also be displaced in our body. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that Jesus' life may also be displayed in our mortal flesh. You may be seated. I've already prayed, so I'm not going to pray again. If I were to give this message that I'm going to share with you today a title, this is what I would call it. Pain's Priceless Process. Why do you say that with me today? Pain's Priceless Process. Now we're going to pause for a second. If you haven't already figured out, I'm going to get you involved with me. I know you thought you came to church to hear me do all the talking, but what I've learned is that when you get an audience involved with you, they actually leave remembering what you talked to them about. I don't want you to leave here today and, and not um, have an idea of what I'm talking about. So let's just say that title again, Pain's Priceless Process. Now this might seem like a bit of a strange title to you, especially if you're here this morning and you find yourself struggling with pain. Let me clarify, when I'm talking about pain today, I'll predominantly be referring to emotional pain, the pain of the heart. And um, that's what I'll talk about today. And you may ask, man, how on earth can you call pain a priceless process? I get that it's a process. But how do you call it priceless? I feel more like, you may say, when is this ever going to end? I just want out of this. Does anybody here relate to that? I just want this to be over. I understand that. You know, through the Bible, there are a number of examples, illustrations, stories, where God is shown working out his plan through something that we call process. Can you say process? We usually want to escape, but God chooses the journey or the process to work out his work in our life. One of the things that is a process is the process of sanctification. Let me just divert for a moment off my message. How many in this room today, um, I won't make you raise your hands, but have been received the gift of salvation through grace, by faith in Christ Jesus? A number of you you know that what happened there was not so much a process, it was an instantaneous happening. We call it, or the Bible calls it, justification. Are you following me today? That when you place your faith in Jesus Christ for what he did on the cross, 
you don't have to do anything but receive it, and instantly you're declared righteous, regardless of what you've done. How many know what I'm talking about today? That's an instantaneous happening, but then it moves you into a process called sanctification. Do you understand what I'm saying? It means how many of you know that even though you've been instantly justified and right standing before the Lord, if you have an issue, let's say with gossip, all of a sudden you didn't have this perfect little thing happen to you that you don't gossip anymore. Anybody who's ever been made a Christian ever stumble in a past sin in their life. Do not raise your hand. I guess I'm the only one, maybe. No, we know that that's because we're going through a process. We're learning forgiveness. We're learning repentance. We're learning tenacity. You understand what I'm saying? So that's what I want to talk about. And what, what I want to do is use the illustration. How many of you like olives on your pizza? Can I see your hands? Now, if you're my wife, anytime there's olives, she doesn't just say olives. Do you know what she says? Extra olives. And if they don't put enough on, she, she'll look at them like extra olives. Like this one or two more is not extra. Basically what she wants them to do is put a huge scoop in and just put that big pile of black on top of whatever she's eating. And every time I'm like, oh, I hate olives. So whenever we order pizza at a fancier place that has olives, she knows that only half of the pizza can have olives, and they better not touch my half of the pizza. You get what I'm saying? How many of you know that olives are what they use to make olive oil? And maybe you're familiar with the healing properties of olive oil and virgin olive oil, but what is very important is that if you look at olives on a tree and then the bottle of olive oil that sits on the store or in your cupboard, there is a process that that has to go through. I'm going to very quickly walk you through that process. The olives are picked off the tree at just the right time, the right time for their ripening. After that, they're weighed and then they're washed to help remove any pesticides. After being washed, they're run through a hopper into, a, 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 into a, a pressing process, the first of many, actually. And this pressing, if, you've ever, if you go home and Google olive press, what you'll see is these two massive stones that probably weigh a ton, and they just go throughout this circle, literally crushing these olives. The result through this is a paste is formed. It's thick. It's kind of gooey. Uh, it will probably include a mixture of water and oil from the olives and some of the, you know, if they left any leaves or stems or pits, anything like that in there. When that, that is uh, what's happened then. Then the paste, depending on where the olive oil is made, it may be kneaded like, you know, pressed and turned and kneaded for about 30 to 45 more minutes. The process there is to allow any trapped oil in the paste to escape. Other places, well, let's finish that one up. Then that paste is put into a centrifuge and spun at high speeds to whip the oil out of it. Now, this sounds like, does this sound like anyone's life? You know, God handpicked you at just the right time, washed you with the washing of the water by the word, and then instantly placed you in a thing that took you into a press. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Well, if you do it in other processes, what happens with the paste is that the paste is laid on round mats that are then stacked on top of each other, which is a press, and a press that contains 200 pounds per square inch. How many of you know that that's a lot of pressure? just begins to move up and squish all these plates of olive paste, and the result is the oil 
starts to run out on the side. Are you following what I'm talking about? You know, a similar process is made for wine. Pardon me if you don't drink wine. I'm not speaking on alcoholism or drinking wine this morning. But in order for a grape to get to being wine, they're put in buckets or vats, and then in some of the places, people with their feet just get in and start stomping on them. Have you ever felt like you were being stomped on? The same process is true for soil. When you turn over soil to grow great crops, we love to look at the crops here at harvest time, but there was a time that a knife, a thick knife, had to rotate its way through there. It's called a rototiller or a bigger, depending on the size of the field. Do you get what I'm talking about? That in order to get to the end result, there's also a process that's not exactly pleasant that takes place. This reminds me of a song that came out on one of Hillsong's newer albums. I think it was just released here in 2018. I love this song. It's helped me through so much of the last seven months. It says, in the pressing, in the crushing, you are making new wine. In the soil, I now surrender, you are breaking new ground. So I yield to you and to your careful hand. When I trust you, I don't need to understand. Just make me a vessel. Make me an offering. Make me whatever you want me to be. I came here with nothing, and all you have given me, Jesus, bring new wine out of me. Do you understand today that as a church that's going to reach this city of New Glasgow, there's going to be, have to be something other than you that's coming out of you? There's going to have to be an anointing, a new wine or something. And I'm here to gently remind you that wine and produce and olive oil all come through a painful process, a pressing, a crushing. It's like what we read this morning. We are pressed, but not crushed. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Whenever you're going through something hard, you always have to remind yourself, when you're feeling like everything's pressing you, I'm pressed, but I'm not crushed. It's a very important distinction. So today, sometimes when I share a message, I ask the Lord to help me get to what I call a sticky statement. Does anybody know what sticky notes are? Do you use sticky notes that you put around? So if you don't remember all the points of today's message... Uh, you don't remember anything else. This is what I would want you to remember. I put it into a, a phrase. It's going to show up on the screen. I'll read it first, and then we're going to read it together. That pain processed in Holy Spirit's presence produces a precious commodity. Let's read that together. It says, pain processed in Holy Spirit's presence produces a precious commodity. Let's say it again. Pain Processed in Holy Spirit's presence produces a precious commodity. Now, we're going to take a few minutes this morning to break this down. You're going to notice that a lot of the words, actually all the words, start with the letter P. I did that to help you remember it when somebody says, so what did Pastor Russ speak about? You don't have to say all the verses. You can just say, actually, he talked about how pain processed in Holy Spirit's presence produces a precious commodity. So let's start with the first P. It is pain. Now, nobody here would volunteer for pain. If I was the pastor here and I said, okay, today we need um, about 30 volunteers. Uh, very simple. It's going to hurt. We need volunteers that do not mind pain at a pretty high level. Anyone? No one? Well, this guy here says he will. So we've got one. We need 29 more. You see, what happens is 
part of the reason that we don't even step up for things that are unknown is because we're not sure of the risk that it's going to take. Here's the fact. Pain hurts. Sometimes there's no words to describe pain. What is very important about pain to understand is that pain is actually God-given in the fact that it is a signal for you that something's going wrong. For example, if you put your hand on a burner, it was hot, and I sat like this with my hand on the burner, and my hand is like starting to like sizzle. How many of you know pain is very important for me to feel so that I don't get comfortable there? I actually go, ow! Do you understand? So pain is not a bad thing. Pain is actually a good thing. If you find yourself in pain and you don't know where it's coming from, I would encourage you this morning that you need to ask yourself some questions. What is what I'm feeling trying to tell me about where I am? Because let me tell you this, pain always has a purpose. I know that that's not a nice thing to say on a Sunday morning at church, but the fact is pain always has a purpose. Here's a, here's a thing, couple of things that I've learned about pain that have changed the way I look at things. When you encounter someone in pain, let's talk about emotional pain today. Christians sometimes don't realize that sometimes you don't need to talk. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, when you go to a funeral home and visit with a family that's experiencing loss, you don't need to always talk to the person who's in pain. Sometimes they just need a hug. You don't need to make comparisons. You don't need to remind them of the reasons they're going through this. Remember what Pastor Russ said, pain produces a commodity. You're going to be precious. Just think how blessed you are. It's not time for that. How many of you can understand what I'm talking about? When somebody's in pain, the last thing they want to hear is, sister, brother, there is a deeper purpose for your pain. God is working something. How many of you know that all of that's true, but sometimes there's a time for the things that you say? What I've come to understand in our journey is that pain is like an ocean. Has anybody ever gone on a cruise here from here? So you know that on a cruise, there's days that you're out on the sea and it is as calm as can be. And when I'm saying an ocean, I mean out of the sight of land. And then there's other days that the sea can get rough and you don't want to be out in the middle of those waves, okay? They're pounding. Some days are good. Seas are calm. It feels peaceful and beautiful. Then other days, have you ever heard of the term rogue wave? A rogue wave just comes out of nowhere and slams you to the side. I want to tell you today, pain is unpredictable. Pain is about the wilderness. But here's what I also remind you. Jesus, before he began his work and ministry, came through the pain of the wilderness, empowered with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So today, if you're in pain, I'm very sorry for that. I'm not going to try to tell you the things that you're not ready to hear, but I am going to ask you, don't stop moving through the pain you're experiencing Keep putting one foot in front of the other, even if you don't feel it, it's important. The second P is process. Say process. We've already talked about this, and so I'm not going to need to talk about this a long time. The story of olive to olive oil really illustrates this well, but the process is very much like the journey. And all through the scripture, we have illustrations of the process in people's lives. And I, and I think I've already said this this morning. Us humans don't particularly like process. Think about it. When our children are going on a trip, they don't so much enjoy the journey. How many of you have ever gone on a bit of a longer 
vacation, even a staycation, and maybe it's a four-hour drive, and like 20 minutes out of the city limits, the kids go, are we there yet? You're like, no, we're not there yet. It's going to be a while. Ten minutes later, are we there yet? Five minutes later, when are we going to be there? Are we there yet? I have to pee. We are very much like this in our adult lives as believers, constantly asking, when are we going to be there? I want to get off this moving thing. I want out. I have to pee. Whatever. But I want to talk to you a little bit about process because the process is for production. It always has a purpose. Imagine baking a cake. Any any ladies here or men, nothing against you, um, ever baked a cake before or muffins or something that you have to bake. There's nothing that tastes better to me than fresh bread right out of the oven, cut steaming with butter and real raspberry jam on it. Nothing. Well, maybe ice cream, but other than that. But imagine the same bread at the first stage where it's only the dry ingredients. A cup of flour or whatever. I never baked bread, so I don't know how much goes in. Baking soda, baking powder, some sugar, mix it together. Okay, I'm here to serve the bread. This is everything that goes in. How much of you would enjoy that? Nobody. Well, let's add the next steps with the eggs and all the wet ingredients and get it to the dough. Okay, the dough hasn't risen yet, but guess what? All the makings of bread are here. Anybody want a piece of dough here this morning? Okay, sir, we'll get you some. (laughs) Uh, You know what I'm talking about? Because it's not until all of those ingredients are subjected to the heat of the oven that the precious taste of baked bread is able to be enjoyed. Are you following what I'm saying today? So there's pain. There's process. And as we're learning this morning, just try to help you remember this. Pain processed in Holy Spirit's presence produces a precious commodity. So the third P is Holy Spirit's presence. Here's what I want to talk to you about even still about process, but that the process can never be done alone. You see, what I'm finding, it's interesting now with what we've gone through, there's people that want to interview us, there's people that want to ask us to speak on behalf of mental health. Last night I was contacted by a city fundraiser that's asking if I would come and speak on our story. And um, you realize that we're living in a very broken world right now. If you think that everybody at your work is perfect, you are wrong because no matter how perfect they dress, there's a level of brokenness inside of them. No matter what facade is up there, all of us are broken. But what I'm starting to discover is that when people who have reached a certain level of success, be it in the spiritual realm or in the the business realm, maybe they're not even Christians, and then start to experience brokenness, they usually revert to isolation. Because of the power of shame. Don't talk about that. No one would ever understand how you you shouldn't be like that. Pull your big girl panties up, your big boy panties, and get going. I guess boys, forget that. Anyways. But here's the problem. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 1 tells us of the dangers of isolation. It says this, that the man or the woman who isolates themselves rages against all wise judgment and seeks their own destruction. So this is why I tell you that the process can't be done alone. Now, now I want to talk to you about the presence of humans with the Holy Spirit because here's the fact. 
a lot of people say, well, I don't need people because I have the Holy Spirit. I'm here to tell you that the Holy Spirit most often expresses himself through the love of people that are in your lives. You understand what I'm saying? So again, as I've already said, don't do this alone. There's a need for friends, especially for friends that are guided by the Holy Spirit because in his presence you feel the love and the comfort that he brings. You begin to understand that he truly is our comforter and that's not just a theological idea. He's there. One of my favorite verses that has been with both Yana and I through this time comes out of Psalm 34, verse 18, where it says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. One question or one thing that I've tried to wrestle with through this process is simply this. How do people that don't know our Savior make it through tragedy? How? Because I know that the only way I've made it through this journey is because of the awareness that God is very close, even when I don't understand. So what we're learning today, say it again with me, pain processed in Holy Spirit's presence produces a precious commodity. You're getting there. So the last P is precious. Just like the oil is derived from the olive through the process of crushing and pressing, the same thing happens to you and I. Maybe you've experienced disappointment, disillusionment. It may not even be that you've lost someone, as I said earlier. You just may find yourself struggling in this area. If we allow pain to take us down, it will take us down into the deepest, darkest pit. But the key there is if we allow it. You see that just like the oil is in the pressing process, begins to be extracted from olives. Those olives couldn't release that oil without the pressing. And as this one video I watched on Google as I was preparing this said, our olive oil is one of the most precious commodities in the whole world. Rare virgin olive oil is a very precious commodity. What's so interesting about oil is that oil is used for healing. It has healing properties. It's used, um, not, not necessarily olive oil, but it's used as a lubricant. There are many, many healing, uh, sort of freeing properties that are experienced through oil. And what I want to say to you today is that the pain of loss, the grief that seems unbearable in your life, the disappointment that you're going through that doesn't seem to have a purpose, if surrendered to Jesus actually releases the anointing that is resident inside of you. There's a verse that says this. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. We'll pause. How many of you know that's powerful miracle anointing happening there? The spirit that caused a dead man to be resurrected. It says that that same spirit lives and dwells inside of us. And that it will be activated in our lives. It will renew us. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. And it will quicken. The word quicken talks about life. How many of you have ever had a pet that you've cut their nail down to the quick? They pull that out of the clippers real fast. 
This is what I'm wanting to tell you. So often in our churches, we think of the anointing for our lives of something out there that will come upon us if we can get to the right place. I, through this process, am learning that as God walks us through the painful processes we find ourselves in, that the anointing is extracted from within. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, so I'm here to tell you that the process that you're going through right now in your life, it can make you bitter or it can make you better. So just think about that for a minute and, and I want to just say to you, don't let it make you bitter. Let it make you better because the pain of your life surrendered to the care of the Holy Spirit will draw the precious commodity of his anointing out of every fiber of your being. And that is precious. It will flow from you. No more will you have to try to figure out what to say when you encounter someone going through similarities to what you've experienced. The oil that has come through that process will flow out of your life. And people will say, I don't know what it is about you. Just being around you soothes my soul. And that, you won't be like, oh yeah, that's because of my big degree. I've got a doctorate in psychological counseling and I'm good with counseling. No, it'll be because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. And as I've walked through the valley of the shadow of death, the pain of process and felt like 2,000 square, 200 pounds per square inch was pressing on my life or somebody was just rubbing their feet into the fiber of my being and my grief or my pain or my disappointment, in that crushing, he was making the anointing oil or the new wine that will refresh someone's spirit. The anointing is a precious commodity because... In the broken world that we live in, this is what I believe. We can try everything, but the Bible says that the anointing breaks the yoke of bondage. So what I'm trying not to do, or I could put it another way, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to embrace the pain that we're in, knowing that I will encounter someone in my life that through the pressing I've been through, Hopefully the oil from my life will drip on them and help free them to keep moving forward in their journey. It happened on the weekend. Last, not the weekend, sorry, it was Thursday. I was on a plane. I don't, pardon me, I'm going to make a confession. I know I'm a pastor. I don't particularly like to talk to people when I'm on a plane. I usually, you can judge me, it's okay. It, it's worth judging. I usually make sure that I have my earplugs in visibly before I sit down so that you know, even if there's nothing coming out of them, I don't want to talk to you. I'm here to take a ride home. You can have your nap. I'll have mine. I don't ever say that, but how many of you know that body language speaks very clearly? It would be fair to say, and again, it's a, it's a confession. Confession is good for the soul, that it annoys me to have ongoing conversations in airplanes. Those of you that are very spiritual are like, oh, Father, he could have led so many people to Jesus on the airplane. I know. Don't judge my confession. So I get on. First of all, I flew 
out of Hamilton. Does everybody know where Hamilton is? The airport is little. I chose to fly into there because it was little, and I was staying in Hamilton. I could skip Pearson International Airport, and I'm on my way back, and I thought, okay, this is small, no problem. Somebody said to me, you only need to be there not even an hour before because everybody waits on one side and then crosses to the other, and the gate is right there. You're not walking for half an hour. So I said, okay. So I get to Pearson. I have my, pa my boarding pass, and I go down to the flight deck of, of I think it's called, it was called Flair Airlines. And um, I said, I just want to make sure I have everything right. And, and where is security? And she goes, oh, it's just down there. I think she said beyond the folding doors, the folding sliding doors, but my brain heard outside the folding doors. So I go down just beyond Tim Horton. So I see Tim's and then I see these folding doors. I'm like, wow, interesting security, but maybe they just leave it closed. I didn't bother to go around the corner and see what was around. So I parked myself like any responsible traveler would near the security gates and waited for them to open. And the time passed. And I'm thinking, wow, this is a, they, they do mean it when they say you don't have to be early. These gates, I mean, we only have 10 minutes before this flight leaves. And they haven't even, they haven't even started clearing all these people through security. And then to my horror... I hear wood passenger Russell Conway, please report to gate number eight immediately. Your flight is about to take off. I'm like, oh God, I would never live down missing a flight out of Hamilton. So I run, I run and, and I go right around the corner and there's this open security and I'm like, man. Of course, there had to be this, this couple in front of me that was probably in their 80s and were, had a lot of things and didn't know what comes out of it. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, help me be patient. Oh, They're like, ma'am, did you bring your passport? Oh, darling, where's my where's my?" I'm like, oh, God, help me if I lose this flight. So I get on the airplane. I'm just setting the story up for you. And I go, and it's a full plane. And I mean, I'm not a little guy. So I always hope for, I always book a window seat because at least I can sit like this if I need to. I hope there's not a full plane and I hope I get tucked in by some tiny little lady that's in the middle. And I pull down to row number nine and I see this other guy about my size right in my seat. And I thought I said it with Christ's love, but said, that's my seat there. And he looked at me, he goes, I thought you might not be coming, we're about to take off. I said, yeah. I'm like, oh, I hope he moves, but he never moved. And so the first thing he says, and I couldn't, I mean, I was like this. I couldn't get my, my earplugs were down here, and I couldn't bend forward. I couldn't do anything because he was sitting like this, and I had my phone resting up here, and I was just like, okay. So he says, so, um, what brings you to Hamilton? I'm like, oh, here we go. Two hours. Two hours. And yet it was a God set up. And the next question, how many kids do you have? Like, oh, God, here we go. So I tell him, I have three. I actually have four. My first one told him the story. And we talk about his kids. We talk about his family. And he, he just doesn't stop talking the whole way. And about 40 minutes before we landed in Halifax, he says, would you mind if I ask you about particularly what happened? Would that be rude? And I said, no, it's not rude. And he goes, could you just walk me through like what, you, what the triggers were, blah, blah, blah. So I tell him the whole story. What I don't know is that there's a 20-year-old sitting right beside him that's listening in on the conversation, and there's a couple businessmen behind us that are listening in. I wasn't talking loud or anything. I wasn't whispering. When I got to, when we got to the gate, he took off his glasses and he scrunched up his face so that he could squeeze back any tears. God bless him, he was moved. He goes, man, that is a powerful story. 
Thank you for sitting with me. I was going to move so we'd have more room, but thank you for talking to me. And I said, great, bless you, have a great day, da-da-da-da-da. And as I was walking off the plane and came through the tunnel and out to go down to the baggage, I hear someone call, excuse me, sir, you with the red hair, excuse me? And I turn around and there's this businessman with a, a jacket on and quite dressed up and he's waiting and there's somebody in the coffee shop. He goes, my name is so-and-so and this is my business partner. We're, I'm really sorry to confess I was eavesdropping on you the last 40 minutes. I just want to say thank you for sharing your story. Um, could we have coffee this week? I said, absolutely. He goes, and then he tells me about a plan that he's doing to reach people with mental health. And he goes, as a pastor, I'm sure you are with people like that. I'd like to sit with you and have coffee. So I'm here to say that as I walked through that airport and down to meet Yana, the Holy Spirit just whispered to me, see, the pain of the pressing dripped oil on some people that want to know more. And I began to realize that whether it's loss, whether it's disappointment, whatever it is, if you're being pressed today, allow the pressing to take place because it's bringing oil out of your life that will bring healing to someone else. In closing, I want to read this to you. The very last verses, verse 16 to 18 of that same passage, and I understand that Paul is talking about beatings and all of that, but it's still applicable for us. It says this. I'm going to get you to read it with me if it's there. It says this. Therefore... We do not despair, but even if our physical body is wearing away, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light suffering is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison because we are not looking at what can be seen, but at what cannot be seen. For what can be seen is temporary, but what cannot be seen is eternal. Sometimes in the process of pain that we go through, we forget that this is just a blip on the map, this life, and that we're made for eternity. I love the way those same verses read in the message. It's going to come up behind me. Let's read it together. It says this, so we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside... It often looks like things are falling apart on us on the inside where God is making new life. Not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times, the lavish celebration prepared for us. There's far more here than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today, gone tomorrow. But the things that we can't see now will last forever. So encouraging. When in the middle of what you're going through, you lose sight of where you're going, remind yourself, we don't give up. We just keep swimming. I might not feel his presence. I might feel numb. I might feel depressed. I might feel anxious, whatever your situation is. But I know this. I went through about a 10-day period where I thought I had come pretty close to depression, and I am not a person who struggles with either. But through it all, I just kept hearing the Holy Spirit say, Russ, you know what to do. Just keep moving forward. It's not about feelings. It's about faith. And I encourage you today that beyond reaching out to somebody, beyond letting the process happen, keep moving forward. And let me remind you what we learned today. Say it with me. 
pain processed in Holy Spirit's presence produces a precious commodity. God bless you.